Welcome to the Bridges Podcast, a platform for bettering LDS interfaith relationships. I'm your host, Taylor Niebergall. When it comes to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, having a faith crisis can sometimes create a rift in relationships between those who leave and those who stay. The goal of this podcast is to equip listeners on either side of that rift with the tools that they need to start building bridges, crossing chasms, and ultimately healing relationships through mutual respect and understanding. Each episode will feature bold perspectives as we explore topics that can create these rifts, validate the struggles that they pose, and discuss tools you can use to literally bridge the gap. Let's get to building. How would you describe us versus the mentality off the top of your head? So I feel like us versus them mentality is actually very strongly connected with the concept of elitism. And so both of the elitism is the thought that one group is better than the other. Um, And I feel like this really goes along with kind of the us versus them mentality. And it's kind of the idea that there's a division between people who have different points of view. And so something that I feel really strongly about is that us versus them is not just about the way that we treat other people, but it's at the core of how we feel about people that view things differently. So it's not enough just to say like, well, I think that I am better than this political party or this religious belief or this or this or this, but I'm not going to treat them any differently. That's, it's not enough just not to treat people differently. I think that you have to go to the core of how do I actually feel about these people? And do I actually think I'm better than them? And, and a lot of times I think the answer that we can find amongst people is that there are times when we feel like we're better than other people. And, you know, I think that's an important thing that we need to reevaluate because that is the us versus them mentality. Yeah. I have some really good examples of that. Um, the story of Romeo and Juliet, everybody knows how the Montagues and the Capulets had us versus them mentality. You know, any gang, um, there's a wonderful children's book. I'm going to mention two children's books that are awesome that I can link in the show notes as well of feathers and fools. Are you familiar with that children's book? It's so good. I'm not, but I love children's books. I'm going to look it up. Okay. Yeah. It's where the swans and the peacocks start noticing that, you know, we have a lot of differences and they end up having a total frighteningly for a children's book, violent war with bloodshed. (laughs) In the end, there are two little eggs left over and one hatches and one's a swan and one's a peacock. And they're like, oh, hey, you've got wings like me. And oh, hey, yeah, you've got a bill like me. And they went off and were friends. You know, that's how that ends. It's just such a good story and very deep. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Um, But it's an example I wanted to mention because, you know, if you want to start teaching these concepts to your children, that's an awesome children's book as well as the Sneetches on the Beaches, the Dr. Seuss book. Do you know that one? I do know that one. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Very, very us versus them. We're better than you because we have stars upon bars. I loved that book um, growing up. Um, And I think rivalries, you know, not just gangs, but rivalries. Uh, Even like on the playground, boys are better than girls and girls are better than boys. I'm thinking about high school sports. I mean, rivalries, it's constantly, you know, and right. I mean, I, this is kind of a tangent maybe, but I'm even thinking like rivalries within sports is not necessarily like I'm better than you as a person, but just I'm better than you as a player or we're better than you as a team. And anyways, maybe that's going too far off track, but maybe. Just, just an interesting thought that, you know, there are some, and maybe some rivalries like that is maybe some of them are okay. But I think the issue is really when you're looking at the core of a person and that I am a person is better than you or more deserving. And that's really maybe when we find, well, for sure is when we find the biggest issues, but sorry, kind of a tangent there. No, that's fine. I was going to even tangent further, but I'll rein it back. (laughs) I'm going to talk a little bit about um, what I think, could there be a benefit from having an us versus them mentality? And I think that, you know, primitively, this is something that was meant to keep us safe. Like if we have our little group of people, if we've got our clan over here and then there's a, you know, a clan over there that's trying to compete for food and stuff, you know, it makes sense that maybe this primitive drive 
is where an us versus them mentality comes from because we're competing and we have to get the resources that we need to survive. So it's not useful for us evolved humans to be banking on something like that that's not currently at stake. You know, I like to just say, oh, thanks brain for having my best interest at heart, but I'm not actually in danger here with this, this person that's different from me. And here's why is because I can have DoorDash on my app. I can still get my food. Like I'm, my life isn't threatened that this person yeah. is different from me. Um, but that's just a kind um, mental internal dialogue to have, instead of be upset with yourself when you notice, just say, oh yeah, thanks brain for having my best interest at heart. Um, yeah. But guess what? Um, nothing's, nothing is the matter here. You know, being different isn't threatening. Mm-hmm. So Sure. Do you, I, you want to talk about how like the us versus them mentality gets started? I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I have several examples I want to share that are real life uh, examples, but first I want to preface this with the notion that I am not sharing these with the intentions of putting anybody down or to bash on other people's beliefs that are different than mine. I just want to bring these to light. Um, very real scenarios that have not only happened to me, but many other people just, um, you know, they have caused myself and other people to feel ostracized and feel less than. And that's the purpose of this is just sharing real life examples that happen uh, within the church that um, leads people to feeling that this us versus them mentality exists within the LDS church. Okay, beautiful disclaimer. Go on. Okay, so I personally feel like the mentality is taught in the LDS church a few examples of language that's used uh, in the LDS church by general authorities and other leaders are referring to members as, you know, an army or the chosen people or as saints. Um, Oftentimes you hear that members have a light in our eyes that other people don't have. And other examples are that, um, you know, the LDS church is the only church with the fullness of the truth Um, The story of separating the wheat from the tares and that, you know, we are living in Zion in the midst of Babylon. Um, Also, the conditioning that's taught that um, anything or things that disagree with the church teachings are, quote unquote, wicked or sinful. Um, You know, sometimes there are people being referred to as Gentiles. Mm -hmm. And each of those terms or examples, I feel like really lead towards, and these are just a handful of examples. There are plenty more, but are examples of how somebody who has left the church or even people that have never been members can feel like there's an us versus them. You know, if you're being taught that members are the chosen people and then you leave, that then means you're like unchosen. Or if you're a saint, you're no longer a saint and you must now be a Gentile or a sinner or a tear. And, and so you know, although you may not hear leaders straight, like straight up saying, you know, we are better than everybody else. That is kind of the underlying message or the perceived message that is often interpreted. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying now for sure. I thought um, with, with asking, how did this get started? That we would talk a little bit about like, oh, well, primitively this, but you're talking, this is how maybe it gets started in the setting of the system of this church. And I see what you're saying and I hear you because yes, I, that makes sense to me that I can, I can appreciate your perception on that. Yeah. Sorry. I may have mis misunderstood the bullet point of how did this get started, but that's okay. We didn't clarify a lot of things. We're just learning. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I think, yeah, anyways, that's, that's kind of where I feel like at least in our example of talking about, you know, church things that, that, that is where, you know, some of these ideas are kind of formed maybe within, you know, maybe that's what helps form some unconscious biases within the viewpoints of members because of some of these lessons that are taught from a young age. Yeah. And I'm, 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 my thoughts are even going towards like, do we have more us versus them mentality from within the church looking out or is there just as much from without the church looking in, you know, and that's kind of like the one side to both of those things. Um, And both, both people have a lot of, you know, perceptions to bring to that, 
but I think yeah. it can, you know, go both ways. And there's a lot of oppression for people that are different. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think that there also is an us versus them mentality, you know? So basically the, the idea of us versus them is that we in whatever group we're in, quote unquote group, if we're labeling, if we're labeling. Is, is better than another group. And so I think that, you know, people that have left the church also do experience some us versus them mentality too. You know, a lot of people after they've arrived at their truth, um, they feel like, you know, their truth is more true than people's truth inside the church. And so you, you don't just experience it within the church. And, you know, there are people that once, once they leave, they, they too feel like I'm now in a better place. And because I'm in a better place here too, or now that means that everybody else is, would be in a better place if they followed my path. Right. And, and so I agree with you. It's not one-sided and I apologize if I, if I made it seem that way. No, I didn't think so at all. I just, my mind is going all over the world and thinking of all these examples and um, just the, the both sides of the church came is my first thought. And then I thought, you know, like us versus them mentality, you know, at its best is a contained sports game where nobody takes anything home with them, but at its worst, you know, it's the Holocaust and there's so much um, us versus them, you know, with the way that Jews were treated. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if we have um, much account for, you know, seeing if if the Jews had us versus them towards the Nazis. But like, obviously, we know that the Nazis had such incredible us versus them mentality towards the Jews, because that's right. kind of um, what the narrative we hear more about. And it makes sense to 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 focus on that. It's just that's kind of where my thoughts were going and they were spinning around and they were very interesting. So. I was listening to, I just was thinking, oh, it's so interesting to know, like we focus in on us versus them mentality. And even within that, we want to choose a side and be like, and and you know what? It was them. They were the ones at fault. Not that you did that at all. I don't, I'm not saying that's what you did, but um, that we have to look at our biases, even in noticing that there's us versus them mentality. And can we even really stand in a place and look at both sides? You know, it's interesting. Yeah, I think that it takes a deep level of being open-minded to other perspectives and experiences that are, you know, within our own realm of personal experiences, as well as other people's to say, oh yeah, I definitely can see how us versus them is used against me, but how may I be using that in, you know, that may be harmful to other people Mm, and valuable it's it's definitely a two-way street. Yeah. That's going to give me things to think about and ponder a lot. Um, you know, just as my own person, I think that that would be beneficial for everybody to just, Mm -hmm. am I treating somebody that way? And think about that. How has us versus them mentality affected you since you officially left the church? Have you felt that in a strong, harmful way that you want to share? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say I have super strong examples of things that have already happened. You know, it's kind of, or we've been really isolated with COVID. And so we haven't really been out and about a lot. Um, But I can express some of my, I guess, concerns about the mentality. So, um, And I'm sorry, I'm always sharing like stories and past experiences to like express my answers, but that's what I want you to do. So thanks for doing it. So I remember when I was in young women's and I'm, I'm making an assumption that you can relate. Maybe you can't, but I remember when leaders would talk about how, you know, they knew so-and-so would just be so much happier if they would just join the church or how so-and-so lost their light when they left the church and, you know, various, um, stories like that. So having these lessons ingrained in my mind that people can only be like truly happy while they were in the church. I feel like that has really affected me since stepping away. And there's this fear that my children are going to be treated differently or less than, and, you know, I fear that they won't be able to play with other kids or they're going to be treated like the children of apostates. And I fear that people will have this underlying hope that one day my kids will be baptized because they don't truly believe that we can be happy without sharing their same beliefs. And, 
you know, I don't want people to feel bad for us. And I guess basically the us versus them mentality has created a lot of concern about how my children are going to be treated. Um, and, you know, kind of to combat that, I think that instead, instead of having an us versus them mentality from people on either side of Mormonism that, you know, going either direction, I would love to see more of a we mentality because I really believe that we are all just inherently worthy and we can all be friends. We can all work together and we each can be happy in our own version of truth. And just kind of an interesting thought, like the LDS church membership makes up less than 2% of the world's population. So there are so many good people in the world. And when we have the narrow mindset that as members of the church, that you know we're the only ones with the truth or we're the only ones with the knowledge that will lead to true happiness, it really inhibits our growth and opportunity to meet amazing people from other, you know, backgrounds and cultures and the ability to learn from them. I agree. I agree. There needs to be a open-mindedness among members that, Hey, what I have is, is awesome. And I like that I have these convictions, but kind of, like I said earlier, that doesn't mean I couldn't learn more about the things that I like from somebody from the other side or that that makes them wrong. You know, there's so much that um, we can do. And I want to speak to the fact that you're saying, I don't want people to feel bad for us. And I don't want people to, you know, cause that's them perceiving that you're wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. And I really, I feel the need to, you know, reach out and say, your kids can always play with my kids and that's <laughs> not going to be a factor. And I, well, good. I hope that, you know, there can be more we, and if there's an us versus them, that every individual can discover that in their hearts and say, Hey, can I make this a we? Um, That is my hope for you. I I hope for you that you get to be treated as a we and not a them. So I appreciate that. It's, it's nice to hear. And I love, you know, the idea of this podcast for that reason, so that we can hopefully form more bridges between people and create more of that we mentality. Yep. That's what we're doing here. Hopefully. So well said. Okay. If you could speak to those people who, you know, from, from your perception, find you less credible, what would you say to them now? You know, I think to be completely honest, I was really concerned a lot about what those people would think and that I would lose my credibility in being able to, you know, spread love and joy to the world. And I honestly just kind of I, like, I don't know that I would say anything to them, honestly, because I just feel like I don't, I'm never going to please everybody and I'm never going to be able to appeal to every person. And so I think that instead of addressing them directly, I think I just need to address myself and my family and know that this is where we feel is right. And we are open to change and we're open to you know, discovering later that how we feel now may not be how we always feel. And I'm open to the idea of my mind changing in, you know, various ways. And does that mean that I believe that I'm going to, you know, rejoin, come back to the LDS church? No, I I don't think that now, but I am not opposed to continual learning and continual change. And so I just think to those people that, you know, feel like we, or that I feel like think I've lost my credibility, you know, just, I hope that they can believe me when I say that this is what I feel like is right for me. And, you know, if I've lost my credibility to them, like that's okay. And I'm not holding, you know, an angry space in my heart and mind for them because it's just life's too short and I don't need to worry about it. Wow. That's really mature to say it, you know, in a way that's not even beginning to encompass my response. You're, um, you are a wonderful example of being able to honor yourself and honor others. And I love how you said that. That was was really beautiful, Amanda. Thank you for saying that. You put me on the spot there a little bit, but that was, that was truly spoken from the heart. (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad I did. I have to put you on the spot more often. (laughs) Okay. Well, 
I was also going to talk a little bit about, um, you know, from where I come from, what sort of, you know, us versus them mentality moments have I found in my life. And I'm going to share an example, a few examples of when I've recognized us versus them mentality in my life. And um, I'd invite you to maybe share the same um, if, if this sparks a memory for you, Amanda. But here's my first thought. I remember when I was really little, I was reading Junie B. Jones. I don't know if you're familiar with those books, but they're really cute. Love them. Yes, me too. And I think we're all kind of raised, maybe not raised. I think it's just human nature that we are automatically seeking to confirm that the people around us are an us and not a them if we relate to them in even a small way. Kind of like what you said with the Harvard interview, like, oh, you're from Harvard. Here's the halo effect. Everything about you is good. I thought mm-hmm. like, oh, Juna B. Jones, she's hilarious and she's amazing. Everything about her is like me. So when I read at one point, she was invited to a slumber party at that Lucille's house on a Sunday. I was like, wait a second. Doesn't <laughs> she know not to go over on a Sunday? Like that's what, isn't, isn't she an us? Like, <laughs> She's a them, you know, I didn't even have the mind capacity to think of it that way, but I remember being surprised that Juna B. Jones didn't know that you shouldn't go over to a friend's house on Sundays and that her parents didn't teach her that. And she didn't learn that in church because isn't that what we all learn? Like that's different for Juna B. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. That's funny to you. (laughs) I think it's funny just because I feel like I can relate to, you know, I, I feel like there were so many instances where I had situations like that growing up where somebody would do something or I would hear about something and I'm like, wait a second, that's not, that's not how we do things. Like just this concept, I I feel like being raised in the church and being raised that like, that the church equals truth. And like, this is truth to me. Like I didn't have to grow up believing things it just was it just was truth and so to see someone living outside of those boundaries was very confusing because uh-huh. because to me it would that's just what it what it was and i didn't question it and so, so i'm imagining that you were feeling something similar of like doesn't she know this like this is you know and it just creates kind of this cognitive dissonance of like I'm she's not, not living in my universe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So that's, that's why I laugh. Not because it's actually funny that you thought that, but just because I can relate. <laughs> I was also going to like jump in and say, is it because it's so relatable? Because yep. It really is like in, in small levels, like even people you meet on the street, we're making snap decisions about them based off their appearance only. So we might assume like, oh, this person isn't us to me, like in whatever realm. And then you mm-hmm. find out one small thing and you're like, that throws you off in every way. And it's kind of silly because that means we're making a lot of assumptions about what that one thing might mean for their lives. Yeah. I think something similar, I, I guess this does kind of go back to the halo effect that I talked about earlier, but something, another example that I think is so relatable um, in this topic is um think about when you were growing up and, and let me know if you had some of these same situations, but you know, we would be watching TV. Like I remember watching survivor as a kid and one of the contestants would come on and they would state that they were Mormon. And I was like, Oh my gosh, they must be such an amazing person. Like (laughs) I want them to win. I'm on like team Julia or whatever, you know, and, or you hear about a basketball a player or a singer or a musician or somebody. And if they're LDS, you automatically feel this like drawn connection to them that like, they are now my favorite or they are now, you know, they just, they really have it all put together and we need to know nothing else about them to automatically know that like we are connected with them. And it's kind of this halo effect that we learned this one thing about them, that they are a member. And now we automatically assume that everything else in their life must be, you know, in order or that I would trust them to watch my kids or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Did you ever experience that? Yes, I would say so. And I was even thinking just like, 
if I was to find out like, oh my gosh, that person is from Star Valley. Like I'm from Star Valley. Like there's so many ways that we can make people an us instead of a them. And it's like nothing to do with anything about them as a person. Um, You know, like if we might have that one thing in common, it really doesn't mean anything because everyone's going back to the first, you know, section of this recording everyone's perception is totally unique and different. Even if you have like one small aspect of an us with that person, it doesn't make you an us across any board ever. Yeah. Because there's so many variables. So um, not to totally dodge that question. What was it you were asking me? Like, have I experienced latching on to a person like that? Right. I'm trying oh, to think yeah, if I, I just, an example. Yeah. I was just wondering if you, you know, growing up had ever experienced, you know, learning that somebody on TV was, you know, LDS and then all automatically feeling like they were your favorite contestant or, right. you know, just even just thinking in your head, like, oh, oh or, I regard them more now. Yeah. Or not exactly the same thing, but similarly, you're watching a TV show and you see somebody that has really seems to have really good morals or they're really kind or compassionate or they dress, you know, quote unquote modestly. And in your head, you're like, oh, I bet you they're LDS. I bet. Yeah. You. And I feel like I experienced that a lot too. Like I would be traveling somewhere and I would meet somebody that was just so nice. And in my mind, I'm like, gosh, I want to ask him if they're LDS. Like, it's just like, we have this need to know that people are like part of our tribe and to create, it's almost, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure why we do it, but I feel like it contributes to the us versus them mentality. Yeah. And I think it is like a very strange human compulsion that we have. And like I said, I don't, I don't think I have a perfect example of recognizing that on like, oh, TV, that person is LDS, therefore I love them. But I totally can say like, oh, this person is wonderful and amazing. We must, we must be an us, you know, we must have this in common. And like that Junaby Jones thing is just an example of it because I love Junaby, you know, I thought I was quite like her, you know, when I was young or, but like, it's so awesome because um, my mom and I got really into these Christian movies they're not made by members of the church. Oh man, I wish I could give them the credit. They're so amazing. They're these Baptist people and they made the movies. Maybe you've heard of some of them, like War Room, Fireproof, Courageous. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know those I, guys? Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Something brothers. I, yeah. I've seen the Fireproof and Courageous. Yeah. Well, they actually got a lot of mail. I remember learning where people from all sorts of faiths wrote in and were like, oh, you must be an evangelical yada, 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 because I am. And we have this, you know, usness, you know, or like, I felt like, oh man, they're, they, they must, you know, believe all the same doctrinal points that we do in our church because they have this, this vibe about them that makes me feel like, yeah, they're my tribe. Mm-hmm. And they just got mail about it from like so many different sects of different faiths within yeah. the branch of Christianity and I'm just remembering how funny that must have been for them to kind of get all this mail. Like, I couldn't believe that you weren't a member of my church when I saw your movie because I thought so highly of you. you know? And like, it was so yeah. relatable. Yeah. Like, can't we think highly and notice things are relatable without like being like, oh, it's because they're like me. They're in my tribe. I don't know. It's just like a natural human thing that we do. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. I think that, you know, as part of just being a human, we try to draw connections and try to relate to people in any way that we can. And within religion, I think that is even more, um, more defined that we're trying to do that. Yeah, it was, Oh, you, you can go ahead. Kind of changing the subject. So you go ahead. Okay. I was going to say it was kind of awesome for me though, because I always knew they were Southern Baptists from the beginning. And so I could go yeah. into it like, this is not my religion, but I still feel an usness with what they say. And there's not like a me and them because the message is still ringing true. And so it was fun to recognize that even yeah. though we're not the same religion, because I know right away off the bat, because they have the crucifix symbol everywhere and my religion doesn't. 
you know, like that was a simple, obvious straight from the beginning. I knew that they weren't. And I still was able to have that really high regard and that really strong opinion without being like, oh, but, but they're the, they're them and I'm an us. It was more like, oh yeah, they get it. Like we, we have that in common. Which doesn't always and I think happen. that that is actually, right. But I think that that's actually a really good example of how you can draw bridges between other people is recognizing that we don't believe everything the same and that's okay. But where are the commonalities? Where, what are the things that we can agree on and that we can build from? And so I think that's awesome that you were able to recognize, you know, your differences from the beginning. And I think that that's important, you know, that we, you know, value and recognize other people's differences. We don't have to ignore them or turn away from them or, you know, refuse to talk about them, but recognizing like, these are our differences and that's okay. But going forward, like what, what common ground can we find and how can we like build our relationship based on those things? I even based on our differences. Yeah. I was even thinking like, how unfortunate would it be if I had some strange prideful reason to think, oh, because they're not of my religion, I won't be able to have any sort of spiritual implications or takeaways from this film. So therefore, why should I bother? If I had that kind of mindset, man, I would really miss out on some beautiful insight that I love that I yeah, gained from them. And that would be a really strong example of exhibiting us versus them mentality, for sure. Being yeah. not even willing to watch or listen um, to someone else's perception would be a great example of, you know, somebody doing that. Amen. Okay, let me tell you this other example. It's it's kind of um, an opposite situation where I realized that somebody was looking at me as a them instead of an us, and my you know my my ability to notice that. And um, you can speak to whether you've had experiences like this either. But when I was in high school, I got to be in the Wyoming All State Marching Band, and it was this big deal and we would go away for weeks to do different trainings and marchings and parades and then eventually we went to Hawaii and had like this awesome time in Hawaii and anyway I met this friend there and we bonded right away because we were both really big Scarheads Harry Potter fans you know um <laughs> and so we just hit it off and we were having so much fun and we'd you know meet up in the cafeteria for all of our meals and just talked a lot and became pretty close and this is somebody that you went to Hawaii with or that was that you met in Hawaii? Oh, I met her. I should clarify. We went to all these trainings and camps in the state of Wyoming. And then eventually we went to Hawaii together. Okay. So I think I met her like in Cody, Wyoming or somewhere. Okay. Um, you know, and we'd get back together whenever it was time to do another parade. Like the next week we'd go by and we'd see each other again or something. Mm -hmm. um, and then eventually we did go to Hawaii together. And I don't remember if it was in Hawaii or if it was in Wyoming, when it suddenly came to her attention that I was a member of the church. And I remember just like seeing the, wait a second, you're, you're a them kind of a realization in her mind, even mm -hmm. though that might not be like exactly how she thought of it. But I just remember her like looking at me differently. And I felt like this panicky need that I needed to justify myself to her. Like, we're still friends. Like there, there was this usness. Like, are you going to dismiss everything about me just because I'm a Mormon and you're not, you know? And yeah. I, I had a lot of opportunities to like try and understand why that scared her. And, um, you know, I like had all the articles of faith memorized. And so I recited them to her. Like, this is kind of what I believe. Um, but it just kind of made me sad that automatically I felt like I needed to justify that no, I, we were, we're a, we, I'm an us. I'm not a them. Like, why do you, why do you suddenly look at me? Like I'm a them now. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of like an example of being on the other side of realizing people might feel that way about me the same time, the same way that I sometimes notice that I am looking at somebody else and it doesn't feel very nice, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, in regards to us talking about you know, active members or just, you know, members in general and post members, I think that it's important for people on both um, 
in both positions to recognize that that either, I don't want to say side, because I don't want to make it seem like a side, but people on either position can feel that way, can feel like they are of them. And like you said, it's not a good feeling. And it's not something that people want to continue to experience in their life. And so I think something as like a post member, I, I think that's a good reminder to consciously be aware of you know, the verbiage that I'm using and what I am, you know, the message that I'm sending when I have discussions with people that are members, even if, you know, I don't agree with or believe the same things, that doesn't mean that I need to make them, or I guess I can't technically make them feel a certain way, but I shouldn't speak in a way that may make them feel ostracized or, you know, like I'm judging or belittling them. So I think that's a really good reminder that it can definitely happen. And people on both in both positions can experience that feeling. Yeah, I would just say to the listeners, like, have you ever just, like, you just got themed, like you've been punked, like, <laughs> can you think of a time that you got themed? Um, and, you know, moving forward, are you gonna them somebody can you help yourself if you see it coming? How can you, you know, make it a, make it an us, at least make it a we. Yeah. Anyway. Um, something I wanted to bring up and it actually was mentioned a few times throughout your examples. So uh, this is actually a real time example of us versus them that I feel like is being exhibited subconsciously in your conversation. Ooh, this is exciting. Bring it so, to light. <laughs> so I just want to point it out. Um, and it's something that I definitely did as a member of the LDS church without realizing it. But now that I'm, um, you know, kind of post Mormonism, it's something that I have recognized is a, a way that may, can contribute to people feeling like there's an us versus them. So the, using the term the church mm-hmm. is very um domineering or us-y what's that are you saying that it's us-y that's a word I'm using yeah, on the spot yes. it's us yeah. because it implies that the LDS church is like the church which I understand that as a member that is oftentimes the belief but outside of Mormonism that's oftentimes not the belief and you know in every other religion and you know not just religion but in other sects of Christianity and outside of Christianity, you know, other people may not believe that that is like the church. And so by phrasing it as the church, it kind of is this like elitism example that we are the church instead of saying, you know, the LDS church or the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or however, you know, you prefer to refer to it. But that is something that is very common amongst members when talking Mm-hmm. about their religion is they refer to it as the church and it's just a way that kind of creates this separation between you know this kind of like elitism above all other religions interesting i wonder like for the for the purpose of this discussion did you feel like you felt like you were kind of being themed when i said that because i i asked only because like, I know that Amanda knows that's what I'm referring to. If I was right. talking to somebody that was um, not familiar with the church, there I am going in the church. <laughs> I wouldn't say the church to right. somebody that didn't know about it. But with you, I, I wouldn't have thought about that. But in a state of being a post-Mormon, is that still something that post-Mormons don't want to hear someone say the church, even though it's pretty obvious that we know that you know what we're talking about? Does that make sense? So I understand the question. So the first question was, do I feel like you were theming me? And I personally don't feel that way. Uh, But I think that that's sometimes the point of us versus them is a lot of times it may not be a conscious thing that's happening. It's something that we're drawing from our subconscious and using that in our verbiage. And so I don't... I didn't personally feel attacked or like you were, you know, saying that you have some truth that I don't have, but in 
you know, talking with other post members and, you know, reading discussion boards and those types of things. It is something that I lost as an issue for some people. And so, okay. you know, I, I don't feel like I can really speak for other people, but in my personal experience the conversation, I didn't feel that way, but I felt like it, it's something that happens commonly enough amongst other people in other conversations that I felt like it was a valid point to bring up. Very, very valid. Very good to know. It's not something I would have, you know, been informed of if it weren't for you and your fabulous openness. So thanks for bringing that up. Yep. Thank you. Okay. And then I've got one more example. When I was little, I watched a lot of Little House on the Prairie. Little House on the Prairie was awesome. So I remember that I watched an episode where Charles had um an angelic encounter you know a kind of otherworldly godly encounter and i thought well i thought that that was kind of weird because he wasn't a member of the church and i remember mm-hmm. pointing that out to my dad and i said hey dad you know i was watching little house of the prairie and god pretty much appeared to charles ingles in this episode do you think that that could happen And my dad said, well, yeah, Taylor, I think that that could happen because, um, you know, as you believe in our church that Joseph Smith saw God, he wasn't a member of the church either. And it kind of made me go, oh, yeah, like we're not we're not like we don't have the monopoly on revelation. We don't have these things. But, you know, it, it made me realize that even like as a little kid, I had wondered is that possible and like why did I have that us versus them mentality and I just think it's it's interesting and it's so great that I could have that learning experience as a child but I think every child needs to have that learning experience and and so much more and even more personal because you know there's just a lot of undoing to be done in terms of I think maybe I'm better than you, you know, from no matter where we come from. Right. And I think that it extends beyond religion as well, you know, especially with the events uh, that have really brought to light racism in the last year. So there are lots of areas in which us versus them mentality affects the world. And so while we can take these principles that we're talking and learning about, you know, in regards to religion, I think that it would be an important, um, skill to learn how to undo some of those unconscious biases uh, in regards to several areas of our life. Absolutely. I mean, have you ever had people in your family that disagree about politics or just had the unfortunate opportunity to overhear those conversations? I mean, it is definitely not just about religion, but there's so much us versus them mentality that can become the nastiest argumentative moments. So I, yeah, I think that we could all reflect on that and, you know, take that space and say, could I grow in this area? Mm -hmm. All those things. Yeah. So Amanda, you spoke earlier, you were speaking about the fact we were talking previously, you said you had this great analogy of how everybody finds their own truth. Would you mind sharing that with us? Yeah, I kind of just came up with this idea in my head and it's, it's really guided and led me towards uh, the way that I feel about, um, you know, truth and so, and happiness really. So I want you to imagine Taylor that you and I work for the same company and our employer is like super awesome and they really care about mental health and wellness. And so they say, you know what, girls, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a month off And I want you to go and experience and find like true happiness. And I'm like, all right, sweet. I'm so stoked. Imagine also this is not in COVID time. Okay. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm going to go travel. I am going to go hiking, backpacking, like eat some native food from wherever I'm going, really just like ingrain myself into the culture. And I am just going to have such a blast. Like Taylor, you have got to come with me. This is going to be amazing. And you're like, hmm hard pass. No, thanks. That does not sound fun. I'm like, what are you kidding me? Have you ever even gone hiking? You're like, yeah, I've tried it. Remember a few years ago, we went together. I hated it. And I'm like, oh yeah, but this is different. Like you just, you didn't try hard enough. You just come with me. 
try it again, put in a little more effort this time. Like you didn't do it right the first time. Just come with me. Like this is true happiness. And you're like, you know, honestly, I think I'm going to just stay back. I'm going to like binge watch some, some movies. I'm going to read, you know, I have a huge list of books I'm going to read. That is what is going to bring me to joy. Like eat some yummy treats. That's, that's my jam. Like you should stay with me. We should, we could watch the series together. And I'm like, no, thank you. Not my thing. And you're like, come on, you've never even given Star Wars a chance. And I'm like, nope, not interested, not going to do it. No, thank you. I tried watching, you know, an episode and it just, or an episode shows how much I know Star Wars. I tried watching (laughs) one of the movies and I just did not like it. And so, you know, we kind of argue back and forth about like, this is what's going to make me happy. And this is what's going to make me happy. And ultimately we go on our own way and we do our own thing. And you have the month of like the best you know, relaxing, delicious joy that you've ever experienced. And I come back from, you know, my backpacking trip and I am just so filled and renewed and just feel amazing. And the point of this story is, is that I know for me and through my experiences, I get to determine what has brought me happiness and what will bring me happiness because I'm the only one that's lived my life and knows you know, what is going to bring that joy for me. And while I get to decide that for myself, I don't get to tell you what's going to bring you joy. And I don't get to tell you what you're going to enjoy and that you haven't tried hard enough, or if you would just do it a little bit differently, that maybe you would enjoy backpacking more and vice versa. You don't get to tell me that, you know, that what brings you happiness is going to be successful for me. You can offer it and you, you know, I can give it a chance, but if I've tried it and I don't feel like it's right for me, then that doesn't make it any less right for you. But ultimately we are each responsible for our own happiness and to discover what is true for us and how we are going to raise our families with that information. While it may be right for us, it doesn't inherently make it right for other people. No matter how strong our convictions are, no matter how much I try to convince you that this hiking trip is going to be the best thing ever, that doesn't make it true for you. That's that's kind of the analogy where we each get to decide for ourselves and um, nobody else gets to tell us what's right and what will bring the most happiness in our lives. That is a heck of an analogy. I thought it was wonderful. I think that that is a place where you've arrived that you can find so much value and peace now that maybe before, if you're like, well, if, if there's one right way, how can, you know, that can cause turmoil. But this analogy, I think I can tell has brought you peace. And I think that it's a really good analogy. Thank you. I agree. It has, it has brought peace to me. I think it could bring a lot of peace to a lot of people, quite frankly. (laughs) All right. Well, I mean, I was going to wrap this up with one last little question thought, and that is, what do you think is the opposite of us versus them mentality? Um, so I don't know that there's a like straightforward answer. I don't know either. (laughs) To kind of explain a little bit of my thoughts on this. Of course, I have another just little story. So I am a nurse and something that we learn in nursing is that pain is what the patient says it is. And so, you know, we give them like a zero out of 10 scale and however they rate it, like, even if we look at them and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, they're on their cell phone, you know, like playing games and they're like, my pain's a 10 and we're sitting here in our head like, mm, you don't seem like you're at a 10. Like it doesn't matter. Like pain is what the patient says that it is. And we need to believe them and treat them likewise. Ah. And so similarly, I believe that happiness and truth is what the person who is living it says it is. So to oppose us versus them mentality, I think that we need to believe them and not think that we know what's better for themselves than we do. Um, Ultimately, I think it's the ability to recognize and respect that we have the right and the ability to find our own truth. And, you know, in, in the church, one would call that personal revelation. And I think that understanding that we each have the right to receive our own personal revelation to what we feel like is, you know, right for our family would 
would really help oppose the us versus mentality, at least within religion, um, and just value that everybody is doing the best that they can and that nobody is intentionally going out trying to, you know, be lost or deceived or anything like that. And so just believing people and giving them more grace, I think is, is uh, a really good step in eliminating the us versus them mentality. Yeah, it almost sounds like we could call that credibility, that maybe the opposite of us versus them mentality is, you know, credibility and giving them grace. So that's really beautiful. Thank you. What do you, I um, want to know what you think yeah. is the opposite of us versus them mentality. Okay. So I was thinking um, the other night, like the opposite of us versus them mentality is not unity. And I'll tell you why. Because I believe that unity, or like if I'm going to quote the scriptures about Zion, we are of one heart and we are of one mind and they dwelt in righteousness and there was no poor among them. I think that unity means that we all agree. And I think that that is different from bridge building, you know? So I don't think that bridge building is um, trying to get us to the point of unity. I think instead it's trying to get us to the point of hey, it's okay to be different and how wonderful that that doesn't make any of us lesser than other people. So I agree with you that I think the opposite of us versus that mentality is more about respect. I think it's more about the credibility. And like you said, like about grace. I like that. That was also really beautifully put. And as you were talking, it just, you know, came to my mind, the idea that we celebrate each other's differences. And we look at how we can use our differences to be stronger together and build a more, you know, unified front and not unified in the sense that we are one, but unified in the sense that, that we we are okay. Yeah. That we are okay with our differences and that there are great things that we can both bring to the table to move forward in, you know, in working together. Yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I just got so excited. (laughs) Oh, no, not at all. Good. Okay. I do have one scripture to add at the end that speaks to us versus them mentality. Uh, Take it as you will, listeners that don't believe in the value of scriptures. But for those of you who do, um, and maybe for those of you that don't, you might find it fascinating. But I found a really cool scripture that I think talks about us versus them mentality. And you can find it in 1 Corinthians 12. I'm not reading from it, but I'm going to paraphrase. It's the section where, you know, the hand says, Hey, you're the foot. So I have no need of you or what good is the eye if it's not the ear and how we're all different, but we all have a lot to bring to the table. And, um, that scripture I thought was kind of just pointed out and us versus them mentality can be like, everybody has to be like me in order to be credible. And that scripture is saying, actually, aren't you glad that there are many members and they're each diverse and they bring something different to the table. And that's what makes us the body. So I thought that kind of spoke to that. So I love that. Did you want to provide the, what scripture that was? Oh, did I not? I'll, I'll say it again, but I'll put, I'll put more detail. I think I just said the chapter, but it is first Corinthians 12. And I was specifically looking through um, verses 14 through 21 when I was talking about it. So, perfect. and I can put that in the show notes too. So thanks for getting the, um, the detail on that. For sure. Yeah. I really like that. You know, I think that that relates a lot to the elephant story that you were sharing earlier as well, that each of the people that were, you know, blind and, and feeling the elephant, they were able to see a different, a different, um, I guess, a part of the body and as a whole be able to recognize, I mean, they didn't in, in the poem, but it's similar to the scripture that you're reading that, you know, there are lots of different parts that form a body and together using all of those uh, contribute to a more functional body rather than just having an eye or just having an ear, but being able to pull in all those different parts um, allows for more functionality and not just functionality, but I think, um, like more peace and respect in our relationships. Yes. Yes. Okay. That, that wraps it up. Do you have any other concluding thoughts before I tell everybody again, how fabulous you are? (laughs) 
Well, I think that's unnecessary, but I, I think that that is it. I, I guess that's not it. I, I, I guess I just really uh, want to challenge everybody to um, when you're having conversations with people that think differently than you do, I challenge you to sit in that uncomfortable space and ask yourself hard questions. Um, I think to be able to like be consciously questioning our own biases as to why we feel one way versus another is a really important step in gaining a healthy and like wide perspective to other people's perceptions and viewpoints of the world. And I think that it just makes us a, a more well-rounded person. And to be quite frank, I think it makes us a more Christ-like person. So um, I just challenge everybody to sit in those uncomfortable spaces to allow for growth. Awesome. I, I second that challenge. I put my amen on that tag. I love it. Thank you again for having me. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. And thank you listeners. If you found this to be even slightly beneficial or relevant to your interfaith relationships, please share it with those people in your life that you think could benefit. Thank you, Amanda. And thank you for building bridges with us. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Yeah. Hey listeners, it's time for tidbits and takeaways with Taylor. I would encourage everybody to do their own takeaways, but the tidbit I got from this was noticing that us versus them mentality is not specific to religion. Now, here are some of my takeaways. The first being that we have this impressive opportunity in our lives to be conscious of if we are theming somebody and we notice when we are being themed. I invite everybody to recognize or look for experiences in their life where they might have encountered this and just reflect on that. I also had this unique sort of thought after Amanda and I had finished recording and I, I Marco pulled her about it and she's like, isn't this fascinating? And she's like, oh yeah, too bad we didn't talk about it in the moment when we were recording, but I'm going to give it to you here. Members of the Church of Jesus Christ at Latter-day Saints don't drink coffee. Everybody else does, it seems. Not everybody, that's generalizing, but in general, coffee is a very unifying thing to do across the board. And so when we are watching the opening scenes of a movie, it's like coffee could be like the first five seconds of the montage. And we know right away, kind of like how I did with the Baptist films, oh, the protagonists in this movie are not members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That does not prevent me from being capable of watching that film and totally ussing with the protagonist, because when writers of a movie write a movie, they write protagonists to be generally relatable and ussable, in my opinion. So I know I'm capable of ussing with somebody and not theming them when they aren't members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I do it all the time because I watch a lot of different movies about a lot of different protagonists, and they are all drinking a lot of coffee a lot of the time. And honestly, there are members of the church who drink coffee, so like that's just an example. But even in that example, you could recognize like, you know, not everybody lives the same, even if we are all members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Watch me say the full name right there. I just caught myself from saying the church. (laughs) Um, That's going to be a new habit for me. Anyway, so just, you know, think to yourself, hey, I'm capable of using with somebody that's a them in films and in, in literature, and I do it all the time. Just consider that you have that skill. You can still take away valuable information and lessons learned from people that are not part of your quote unquote tribe. And congratulate yourself because you can do it. Now, the hard part is relating that into real life where you don't get the backstory and all the inside stuff about your protagonist. You get to actually relate this to real humans. And guess what? Real humans are so much more complex and beautiful. And it's more fulfilling to be able to get to know a real human than to relate to a fictional character anyway. So take that skill you have from films and apply it to all those real-life people, and I promise you can do it, because, you know, if you're like me, you've been doing it, 
again, that's my personal takeaway and my experience. It might not resonate with everybody. That's why I challenge everybody to take their own, their own little moment to consider their own takeaways. But I thought that was a cool one. And I just love seeing diversity in films, which we could make a whole episode about diversity. But what I mean to say in bringing that up is it doesn't just have to be somebody who's drinking coffee so I know they're not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It can be, oh, this person has you know a different skin color than me and I can relate to them. This person has a different ability than me and I can still relate to them. Or, you know, I'm a seeing person and this person is blind and I can relate to them. It's just all across the board, we have different ways to be us-ing or theming people. And when you get to see diversity in film, that's an awesome opportunity to gain perspective. So tying that back to the other one, the other episode, I mean. Anyway, I just think that Amanda, thank you for being on our podcast. I don't think I could have found a better beginning podcast co-host to do it with than you. Thanks again, listeners. Hope you all take a moment and reflect. If you liked what you listened to, share it with a friend. If you didn't like what you listened to, then stop listening, I guess. Thank you for listening. Bridges is brought to you by me, Taylor Niebergall, and the hardworking volunteers who co-host with me. The music is written and recorded by Bethany Sorensen. To submit ideas, you can contact me at bridgespodcast.taylor at gmail.com or check out our Facebook page at Bridges Podcast. When you all start crashing down.